Chuck Zack along with you this afternoon as we are a man down. And uh, apparently Matt Riddle got tied up, so he's, uh, I don't know, maybe en route, maybe not. But we will uh, we'll carry on without him. And we may get Tony Kirk to join us here in about 15 minutes on the phone because uh, he is still out of commission, the professor, with the uh, little bit of a, uh, a physical downturn, if you will. He's, uh, he's battling the old Rona, and uh, as a result... He can't come in the building, but we can get him on the phone. And so uh, I talked to him a little while ago, and we said we would uh, we would try to connect if indeed Riddle was a no-show today. And it looks as though Matt is at least late arriving, so we will definitely try to reach out to Tony Kirk here at about 5.15 and get a little segment at least of uh, his physical update, because I know... You know, you're all probably very concerned about the condition of the professor. He's a little stir-crazy without having Kirk and company as a, you know, social outlet to be able to wax poetic for you good listeners early in the morning. Uh, coming up this afternoon at 5.30, Riley Fincher is going to join us. He is uh, actually in the car on the way to Little Rock, but the Pleasant Grove Hawk baseball coach has agreed to hop on with us for a little bit and talk about certainly the Hawks' big win on Tuesday over Liberty Ilo and uh, a now pretty much uh, ironclad grip on District 15-4A. And last time we talked in, we were just getting going in district schedule. Now we are making the turn for the third round and – Pleasant Grove seems to have it going on with a 10-0 record in district play. And so we'll get Coach Fincher on in a little bit to uh, kind of bring us up to date on the progress he's seen from his outstanding baseball club. That's what we know we're going to do today. We also certainly have some sports stuff to talk about. And it has been, well, not necessarily local stuff. It has been a big day on a couple of fronts And if you're paying attention, and I'm even going to do this for Jordan Angel, there was even bad soccer today. A couple of own goals, which you don't talk about very often, that uh, got Manchester United today into a a tie in their thing. But a couple of really big stories today. First one of them coming out of the NFL. And, you know, if you're a fan of the Cowboys, you've learned to live with Jerry Jones. And for all Jerry's faux pas trying to run the team, There's not too many times where Jerry has just been considered a bad owner. He may be enthusiastic. He may think he knows better than everybody else. He may draft guys the rest of the league kind of gives a side eye at. He may sign players that don't make a whole lot of sense. But with the exception of this, you know, kind of paternity thing that's jumped up here in the last little bit, Jerry's actually been pretty good steward of the game he's a he's a an owner that while he's caring about his own franchise and he wants the league to do well you can't say league-wide he embarrasses the nfl you can't say the same thing about daniel schneider however who has the same kinds of flaws about jerry jones only his flaws are a whole lot worse 
And Daniel Schneider today may finally, finally, finally be getting into a place where he's about to walk away from the Washington football team and hand that ownership off to somebody else. A, uh, a group that includes guys like Magic Johnson have supposedly handed out a bid today that there's a preliminary agreement between the parties that Daniel Schneider is going to agree to sign the Washington Commanders. You know, it's almost painful to still say that. For just in excess of $6 billion. Now, we still got approval, things that have to happen. The ownership group's going to have to get the league owners at their meeting next month to approve the transfer. And it's there's still a lot of I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed when the 31 owners have to get together and, and, and put down their vote on this. But this is a team from cheerleading scandals to and cheerleading scandals, not the cheerleaders cause scandals, but ownership obviously took advantage of and um, was inappropriate with cheerleaders in the organization. They have struggled to try to figure out about stadium stuff. They scuffled along for years with no name as they figured out Redskins wasn't politically correct and couldn't really come up with what are we going to do that's going to make this better. They've had a football team that has been marginal at best, can't settle on a quarterback since RG3 being gone and Kirk Cousins being moved on. They have gone through a litany of bad quarterbacks. They've drafted pretty well on defense. They've got some good skill positions, but they still are in that position of, is Carson Wentz your guy? What's the future of this team? But maybe new ownership makes Washington relevant again, finally, and gets him off the back pages of the sports pages and around the country and gets him back onto the front page. Now, as Cowboy fans, anybody in the area is going to go, who cares? Hate the Redskins, hate the Commanders, hate Daniel Schneider. Remember the, you know, George Allen, Tom Landry days back from whenever. Have nothing for them. Don't care. You know what? The nation's capital having a viable football team has kind of been a thing. It kind of matters a little bit. And to be honest with you, as much as you don't like the Giants, as much as you don't like the Eagles, it's a cooler rivalry when it's the Cowboys and it's the Commanders who are actually competitive with one another, have good knockdown, dragout football games with one another, and re-elevate one of the great rivalries in this league where it's really been a kind of a crappy rivalry for the last 30 years. So... First thing on the agenda today is it looks like looks like maybe Washington's going to get new ownership and maybe move this franchise forward again and get off being a black eye. Now, the other part of this is if you're Daniel Schneider, he has been owner of the Washington franchise now. We're going on 24 years. So I, I couldn't even remember that. 1999, his group bought the team and here's where you talk about our professional sports teams a good investment he and his group bought the then Redskins franchise for 
just about $800 million 24 years ago. They are about to sell that for $6 billion. You know, I got some baseball cards in a closet. My oldest son was born in uh, 1989. Got a box of 1989 baseball cards. I don't even know what I paid for them. Probably too much. With the appreciation of, oh, that's going to go up in value. There's going to be some good cards in that box. It's going to be an unopened set. This is going to be worth a little bit of money. We'll appreciate this investment. Hold on to it. Well, my kid's now 34. He will be this year. I don't think the value of those baseball cards managed to jump as much as the value percentage of the Washington football team did. And now I'm feeling a little bit remiss about this. I probably should have put my money into buying an NFL team and not worrying about buying baseball cards back when Bozak was born. I'm hurting about that right now. You see investments in pro football, pro baseball, pro pro basketball, and you just it boggles the mind. We are what eight months, eight months from the Denver Broncos sale. When a group of folks from, from Walmart, Walmart family folks, bought the Broncos, they paid $4.6 billion for the Broncos in August. In eight months, the Washington football team is at a value of a little bit more than a billion and a half more than the Denver franchise. Mind-blowing. Much as you hate Daniel Snyder, how genius is it? You hold on as long as you can because all you're doing is making money. That league is just making you stupid money. And Snyder's going to walk away with $6 billion when this thing gets approved. Ouch. Number two story today. Who saw this coming? Opening day of baseball. Did you plunk your $800 million down on the Tampa Bay Rays are going to start perfect for the first two weeks of the season? They won again today. This is a story that we haven't – it's the first two weeks of baseball. You're not talking about baseball yet. Opening day, you get past opening day, you move on. Tony mentioned a kid from the Cardinals last week when we were in here. said, watch this guy. He's had a 12-game hitting streak today. Who had the Rays going 13-0? and And I'm going to say nobody, and I'm going to say it because only two teams in baseball history have gone 13-0 and in the modern era. They won today. They beat the Red Sox 8-3. They are number one in hitting. They are number one in pitching. They are number one in run differential. It's not like they're squeaking by, folks. They beat Oakland 11-0 in consecutive games last week. And now they got to 13-0. Now they're going to come into a streak of 23 games in 24 days coming up. They get the Yankees home and away. They're going to get the Mets in in a series in the middle of that. they got to go to Milwaukee for a series. They've got some games coming up. They're not going... 162-0, obviously. 
I'm going to guess they're not going to challenge the Oakland A's American League record of consecutive wins. However, Tampa's come out of the gate a little bit different than normally. We know they got bullpen arms. We know they've got hard throwers. They put money in young guys who throw strikes, and they try to shorten up their starters because they don't like to put a lot of money in starting pitching. Starting pitching is the most unreliable part of baseball because as soon as you sink big money into it and your guy who's your starter, your number one ace, blows an arm, hurts a knee, your whole franchise is upended. They like low-dollar guys who will eat a couple innings and they'll go to a bullpen full of low-dollar guys and if one goes down, they replace them with somebody else. But they're retooling a little this year They're asking starters to go a little bit deeper. They found a good young rookie arm to go along with what they already have. I'm not saying Tampa's going to win the East. The Yankees are still sitting there with a lot of money to spend, and they'll spend it. And they got the highest dollar talent, other than the Dodgers probably, in Major League Baseball and the Padres. Let's not forget San Diego. But the Rays are doing something really cool and really special and I read today, had an a, a opening day players-only meeting, which, you know, if you're a sports guy, you think, all right, well, you're going to have a players-only meeting when things go bad. You get on a losing streak. You kick the coaches out. We're going to talk about what we're doing here. How are we going to turn this around? Hold each other, other accountable. Air all the grievances. Get each other's back. And try to get back in the right direction again. That's usually how this works. The Rays did an opening day players-only meeting. This team's been successful. They've been in the playoffs for four consecutive years. But they kind of sat down and said, we're needing to hit reset on what we've done before. Here's where next guys are going to step up. We're going to be expecting you to do this. We want you to be this way. We're going to be... Not necessarily accountable, but we're going to have fun doing this together. There's a thing going around about shots they take after each game. They're playing this right. Now, it's it's easy to say that when you go 13-0 and and not 0-13. And how long this group can hold it together like this throughout a heat of a pennant race. But it's a cool start out of a place where baseball keeps getting passed over because they just don't have superstars they got a bunch of grinders, and right now they're 13-0. and 0. It's 15 after 5 o'clock. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll try to get Tony Kirk on the phone, get an update on his health, and get you set up for uh, Riley Fincher in about 15 minutes. Leaving the yard. Chuck Zach here on The Fan, 107.9. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Maybe you're not sure how you'll make rent, or you lost your job. When you don't know where to turn, let 211 be your guiding light. Our guides are ready to connect you with the help you need. 211, how can I help you? Call or visit 21.org. 211, get connected, get help. 
A message from United Way and the Ad Council. Nineteen and a half after five o'clock, leaving the yard. Zach and the professor here on the fan one oh seven nine. As uh, we hop on the old uh, hotline this afternoon, Tony Kirk is uh, while not in studio and not able to be around humans, joins us live. This is true. I, I hadn't thought about that. I'm in quarantine, and uh, I guess I go out in the backyard and hang out with Sark. Yeah, he's probably safe. So, uh, be safe from all this, but now uh, well, it's a little bit stir crazy being in quarantine. But I guess you know, I feel grateful. I'm three years in before I get up there. That's a good thing. You had it. You had it early on. Dude. Well, you know, I got it in twenty one. I didn't get it in twenty. I, I managed to. I managed to. We 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 got the the uh, shutdown of school. We got the comeback the next semester, and I didn't get it until that next January. But you got the real thing. I've got wimpy COVID. I'm a little embarrassed, to be honest. Yeah, no, I didn't wish the COVID I got on anybody. It was crazy. The doctor gave me my positive test. said, don't worry, it's it's wimpy COVID now. It's not like it used to be. Do they even give you anything anymore? They just say, just go home. No, they gave me some steroids and some uh, antibiotic. It took me five days quarantine and then back on the street. I think they give that to everybody for everything. I got the crud when they give me steroids, antibiotic. And I usually never get any of that. I usually don't take uh, antibiotics, but uh, I thought the first time with COVID. I might as well go all out and get the antibiotic or whatever. So what what, what symptoms do you have? Uh, It changes every day. The first thing I just was like a really bad sinus infection. Second day, I had a cough. And today, I jacked up my back. And so now I've got COVID and my little bunching disc that hits me every year or two. And I started to pop out today. So I got that going for me. Wow. So, That's... so I'm laying up on the floor here watching Westerns. It's, it's a great time in my life. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm laughing, but I, I'll be honest with you. I coughed so hard the other day, I hurt my side and, and pulled a muscle. My side, and I'm wondering, is this the same thing? That's yeah. I was coughing this morning, and uh, I was in, uh, not the right spot at the right time coughing, and so yeah. You're in a prone position. Well, I was doing some business. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! See, that's a visual. That's a visual you want, right there. Coughing and trying to take care of business. Yeah, um, it was a long time. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk to sports. <laughs> I don't know what you talked about in the first segment, but I know what I want to talk. Oh, about. Oh, what's that? Pleasant Grove winning district and track. Oh, I won't argue with that if that's where you want to go. Is that not a news? Adam, I can't remember the last time that that they. Posted last night. Have they ever won district track? And I, I didn't reach out to Kevin. I probably should have, but I don't know. In our time there, in our time covering Pleasant Grove sports, I don't remember them ever winning the district championship. They obviously had some. 
can attract athletes, individuals down through the years, but you always had to continue with Atlanta before Atlanta dropped down. You always had to continue with Dallo. Um, and when you get Fincher on the phone, ask him, can track and baseball coexist at the Grove? Well, apparently they can. I mean, because typically they don't always have great success in both sports, particularly at the lower levels. Well, they haven't had great speed over the years. They've, yeah. they, they, they've had they've had they've had distance kind of guys. They've not had really great speed kind of guys. And I would have yeah. thought going back like oh seven, oh eight, oh nine that that run right there that that Kevin Davis had. He had a bunch of athletes that had kind of moved into the area in those years. That you, but you remind me, Ellie was still Ellie, and Atlanta was still Atlanta. And even if he had those guys, probably didn't have enough yeah. of them to be able to overcome those guys. And I think Atlanta being out of the district certainly improves Pleasant Grove's chances to win a district championship. But, uh, you know, they won all three relays, which you relate to being a speed school. Yeah, that's crazy. And, uh, and Corbin Franklin looks like was the athlete of the meet. He won the 100, and I think he anchored maybe the sprint relay and Eight hundred meter relay, so yeah, that's 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 a news story to me. You're not kidding. I'll sidebar that with a conversation I had today uh, over around the Orange School, where they were talking about the five A district championship in fifteen five A, and apparently uh, a young kid who's got about forty college offers to play football uh, ran away with a hundred there. That Taylor Tatum just uh, dominated that, and at White House had a couple of kids who were off the charts fast, their center fielder, and another kid who are baseball players who ran over the, the track in the uh, in the 200. Yeah, and that's what we typically see at the 5A level. A kid may, I mean, Texas High in the Pass has had some kids that the Sorensen kid was a, uh, a 200-meter kid that could also play baseball and all, but uh, I don't know that Fincher's got anybody running track. Uh, not that I'm, no, no, no way. I'd be surprised. I don't know. You might ask him, but uh, I'll tell you what, the way they're dominating the baseball district and track, that's, uh, that's impressive for PG. It's, it's a changing uh, sports world over at Pleasant Grove. Well, and, and to be honest with you, there, there's always been the questions of can sports coexist? You know, Argyle's an outlier. Everything's good there. But can multiple seasonal sports coexist with one another and stay at a high enough level to be, you know, having a conversation about in the running of a state championship? Well, we can argue PG's baseball team looks like they're the real deal and probably will be in the conversation in the final four or eight in the state in, in baseball. Football, if not for being blocked by Carthage, probably would be in that same kind of conversation. And now add track to the mix. Which leads me back to your reference to Argyle. Why was Argyle good at all everything? I don't know. I don't want to think Do about you think, it. Well, you and I watched just a dominating performance of Pleasant Grove the other night over L.A. And we see those four freshmen starting. Do you think those four freshmen would be there had their not their parents not invested the money in sticks or whatever organization 
that has prepared them to be that good that soon. Well, I think they wouldn't be there. Wouldn't be where? Wouldn't be on the field right now? Would those freshmen be where they're at right now? Probably not. Had they... Probably not. I mean, there. But you know, I don't know Sp- Spencer Browning, who'd been kind of advertised years ago. Like this is this kid's amazing at, at middle school. The Hunter, Hunter, there's, there's not middle school baseball. Where did the advertising come from? I think the I think the kid visited camps. Uh, camps, but don't you think? It, and I'm not sure he's aligned with sticks. You know, we had the sticks guy in here a while back. I think there is advertised. I think they're delivering kids to high school. Well, ready to just if they deliver those four, if they deliver those four, and two of them are all world right now, the other two are freshmen, and they're still going to have to grow into it. But uh, if they're delivering a product that good on the doorstep at ninth grade when you go out for the first game of the year, then everything's changing. Everything changes. I mean, we. You know, the standout kids over at Texas High this year. I'm assuming Ross's kid came through the Sticks program? Yeah. Yeah. I think Billy told me uh, the Pilgrim kid was a Sticks product. I think Knox was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we just got to get used to it. I think if you invest... The money with the right athleticism it's touched the world now well you know again this is your your opening salvo of this conversation wasn't just about baseball it's about how the hell the track gets so good all of a sudden too well but my point is how did Argyle get so good do you think they, uh, they got good because the pockets were deep Oh yeah, I think we when 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 PG and Argyle were were battling each other, twenty sixteen seventeen whatever a little bit before, Argyle had nine kids with college offers. Some had not played high school baseball yet. I mean that's well, some weren't even starting. No, 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 no. I know, but but some hadn't gotten to high school yet. They had nine yeah. guys. The 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 eighth or ninth guy had just come up to ninth grade, he had offers before he got there. So certainly deep pockets and being exposed to programs in big markets, to colleges. Oklahoma was all over a lot of these Argyle kids early that, yes, they got exposed early, and it made a great deal of difference. And, you know, when you start winning, the migration into your district just flurries. I mean, just flourishes it. And if you're playing the grown now, you, you seem to have it all going on. True. I mean, if we look at that track roster, we know some of those kids' families moved into the district. It's not the first time. You were talking about the 08 09 teams. They had kids move in. Oh, yeah. So, uh... Dave, Josh Gibson, you, and you're, you're running around with a track district championship... The only thing you're lacking next is powerlifting. You give me a powerlifting championship to go along with a track championship, I think I'm pretty well set for uh, August and September. Yeah. Anyway, that was a big deal when I saw that last time. It was a big deal. The Grove had broke through with a, a district champion, 
championship after we saw the night before them just dominating baseball. Well, you know, they didn't have to run on Tuesday. It was really misleading. They just walked around the bases hitting home runs. Oh, I agree. That's misleading. In tracking baseball. No. They they don't need – when you're trotting around the bases. (laughs) You can go slow. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. Well, they've got good-looking athletes in baseball and – Riley's doing a great job with them, and uh, like I say those fabulous freshmen. Uh, I think has. I thought PG would be good this year in baseball. Even I saw Salina last year. Yeah. They may not have Salina's pitching, but we agree. I think they can hit Salina. Their lineup, top to bottom, is. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of PG baseball. In, in 20 years or whatever it's been, 15 years, I'm trying to think of a lineup that I saw from top to bottom, and I'm going to have to spend a little more time thinking about it, that I think may be as good as this one. Well, I've never seen one that included four freshmen. No. Oh, no. No. Those guys didn't play freshmen. You mentioned the other day Perlman had to play because they just needed a freshman to have to play third base. Well, they, they didn't have anybody else. Yeah, they didn't have anybody else. They didn't have four of them. They had one of them. And they even, I think Craig yeah. Jones ground his teeth about that. Yeah. You know, there's been a handful of kids, the Russo kid, uh, going all the way back to Reckworth at catch. He's had a few freshmen play, but uh, I've never seen four of them take the field. Marsty ready like these four. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, I've gone long on the segment. I'm gonna try. Get, I'm gonna try get Fincher on here. We'll ask him some questions about his school's track program as well. But you, uh, you get to feeling better. And, uh, right. Try not to cough. Tell Fincher I've uh, I've hashtag Fincher's Fab Four. Yeah, I like it. If he gets another one, I don't. Think, I think Fab Five's already taken. Yeah. Fincher's Fab Four. It's Alan Rods. Gotcha. See ya. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, we'll take a break. We're coming right back. Leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor here on the Fan 107.9. Riley Fincher, Pleasant Grove Baseball Coaches, supposed to be up next. We'll give him a call and see if we can get him on the phone. You stick around here on the Fan Welcome back. It is uh, 37 minutes after 5 o'clock, leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor on the fan 1079. And uh, as promised before the break, Pleasant Girls baseball coach Riley Fincher joining us live this afternoon on the old Sonic Hotline. And appreciate you joining us, sir. I appreciate you having me on, Chuck. Well, I, I got to tell you, now, Tony and I just got done talking, and he wants to let you know that in case you're interested in trying to uh, trademark it, he's already gotten out and trademarked Fincher's Fab Four. <laughs> okay, for the freshman 
Ah, so if you're trying to get that, you're going to have to come up with a different name because he's got that one, apparently. Well, we actually have five of them that play significant amount of time for us. See, I told him that. I said, what if it's Fab Five? Which actually was a Michigan thing. You got five. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we have five of them that uh, have played a, a lot of huge roles for us this season. And the improvement they've made from the first practice, the first game until now. And, you know, we talked about it the other day. And uh, they're not freshmen, sophomores anymore. They're they're all Southern Grove Hawks on our team and you know they've grown up so much but our team is uh they're so close and that's what's so uh that's what's so big about them you this is a longer conversation that he and I just had and so I'm going to draw you into this a little bit and get your get your take on some of this because the the story yesterday of Pleasant Grove winning the district track meet is one that kind of got everybody off guard a little bit and we're trying to figure out, do you remember or do you know or have they ever won a district track meet? Um, in the 10 years I've been here, um, I would say no. Um, and then uh, my brother, actually, he graduated from there, Pleasant Grove, and I'm pretty sure uh, it didn't happen when he was there also. And it's a it's a phenomenal accomplishment, and it's, uh, you know, our – our, our young men and women who are part of our track programs are, you know, they're working extremely hard and the coaches are out there with them. But to, to see the strides they've made uh, in that track program is, is huge and you know, hopefully it carries on to all the other sports as well. And, and, and so the second part of that question was, we didn't remember watching your guys Tuesday that you had anybody that's a track guy. So I'm assuming none of the track guys are playing baseball. We have one freshman that we called up from the sub-varsity um, who's a part of the track program, uh, Jamarian uh, uh, Richardson. Uh, he's a freshman. He, he played on our sub-varsity starting the outfield. We've got him up with us right now in the playoffs, so he can uh, uh, he'll pinch run for us. He got a chance to uh, fill in the outfield, but he's a part of that program. He was a part of uh, two relay teams, I believe. Which really goes to the heart of just how many athletes Pleasant Grove's got across the board now. You've got guys that are football guys we've got guys that are baseball guys and we're seeing now track guys where normally you don't see too many schools that have spring seasonal success where there's not an overlap of a bunch of athletes Sorensen did it at texas high other kids around here who have been that way you guys are really running a baseball team that's baseball and they're running a track team that's track and that's a little bit scary at this small of a school you know, it's, you know, to see, like I said, the size of our school and to see the amount of athletes that we have spread out in all sports. And we have, you know, there's quite a few of them who, who play um, uh, uh, multiple sports. You know, um, the three-sport athlete, I think now the older we get farther along in this, it's, it's rare to see that. But there's, uh, uh, there's a lot of them who do play two sports. But to see the success that they've had in, uh, in that track program is huge. And, uh, you know, I fully expect those guys next week in area to uh, have a lot of people uh, uh, qualify and, and continue to run in regionals. That's a whole new chapter. Tell you what, they're, 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 turning, they're turning a new page, and that's really cool. All right, back to yes, Tuesday. We had a chance to see you guys Tuesday. And uh, even talking to some of the older guys around the, the LE side of the field the other day after the game, they came up, and, and one said to me in particular, 
we threw everything we had. Those guys just can hit. I'm trying to remember if we ever seen a deeper lineup, one through nine, who hits the ball like the group you've got right now. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're they're very very talented. Um, they work extremely hard. They take so much pride in everything that that it takes to you know handle everything here. But to to see the just to see the way they respond in situations, you know, you'll have some guys who who struggle uh, a little bit in a game, and you see other guys throughout the lineup who pick them up, and um, just every time we step on the field, you know, we're continuing to improve. But it's a uh, it's all on them and and all the work they put in in practice and, and the pride they take in it. You know, this year started weird. You you got blown up by Carthage in the first game of the year, and I think people around town were kind of side eyeing. Well, wait a minute now. You know, what's going on over there? That's not a score you're used to seeing. You guys have just kind of steadied the ship, gone about your business, and what you did the other night, you sent 16 guys to the plate in the second inning. And I think the first 11 in a row in that second inning all reached base. It doesn't feel like you've peaked yet. You know, that that was kind of a – it surprised me on Tuesday, I'll be quite honest with you. But, you know, we kind of challenged our guys to – you know, we – we know how talented they are over there at LA. We we know uh, their coaching staff is phenomenal. Have those guys prepared, and you know we challenge our guys that you know the first game's over. Let's see how we respond in this game, and to see the energy they put into it, to to to, to see them at the plate, and you know, uh, and Jared Halter again on the mound. You know, I didn't think his fastball was where uh, it has been, but he was locating all of his pitches, and you know that's huge because it starts up there for us on the mound, and. Anytime, you know, he's on the mound, he's just a competitor. He's, he wants the ball. He's a bulldog. And it all started with him. And, you know, then our offense was able to uh, uh, click on all cylinders. You you and Zach are, are friends over at L.A. I know you guys talk all the time. I know you want to win games. I know he wants to win games. Is that a hard game to win, though? Um, it's, it's, you know, we're so familiar with each other. Um, there's no secret in what's going to happen. You know, the way we play the game, the way they play the game. Um, everybody knows everybody, the fans, uh, the coaches, uh, the players. You know, you see the guys talking to each other um, in the game in a competitive way. Um, and it is – there's there's a little added extra to it because everybody is, is, is knowledgeable about everybody else on the field. So it's a, it's a tough game to win. There's no doubt about it. It's a very tough game to win. Uh, unfortunately, you know, on Tuesday we were able to come out on top. Well, and I don't just mean it's a tough game to win. Is it tough to win that way for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I know you got your guys, and you you get a big lead. Do you do you look across the field and go, man, I feel for those guys right now, or do you think we just got to keep doing what we're doing and finish them off? Well, you know, I've I've been, you know, like I said, we started the season. Right. Right now. There's they're in the next spectrum against a very talented Carthage team, and um, when it was, you know, in the second inning when we scored those runs I was I I still felt like it was you know a tight ball game 0-0 because we know what is going to happen you know with them so we you know we told our guys you know we're going to keep competing uh keep playing the game the right way but yeah anytime you know it's it is it's you know to get to your question it is kind of hard because I have so much respect for Zach and that in that uh his coaching staff and in that team but you know it doesn't matter what the situation is when we play those guys. You feel like a no lead is safe. 
I hear you. Riley Fincher joining us live this afternoon, Pleasant Grove's baseball coach, who's jumped out now to a 10-0 district record. You guys are with a two-game lead, actually a three-game lead when you think about it. You've got the two games over Liberty Isle right now for the district championship. What do you want to accomplish the next four or five games before you guys start coasting toward the playoffs? You know, that's, you know, we talked to our guys last night after our game, uh, after our game at Henderson State. You know, the most important game we have coming up is this next game against Paris. Um, we're, we're not going to take it, you know, we're not going to just – step out on the field and go okay we're here you know let's just see what happens we're gonna try to keep improving in every phase of the game and because you know last year you know we you know slipped up in the first round and that's not something that uh happens over here and so we know how important every single game every practice every pitch is so you know we're still gonna do everything we can uh on friday and all of our games here to just keep improving and keep playing the game the right way and see if we can keep this thing uh, 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 moving forward in the right direction. I didn't know Brenton Clark had home run power. It was an impressive long ball he launched for a grand slam in that second inning. Uh, Is that going to be part of the game for him now that you don't necessarily want him swinging for the fences or is that okay with you? Well, you know, and that's you know, you talk about it, you know, when he was a freshman for us he, he drove the ball the other way. He drove and his he still has phenomenal play the other way. You know, he saw that in uh, uh his last swing on Tuesday. He hit one off the wall to left center, but he's he's gotten so much stronger. His hands are unbelievably fast and you know, he doesn't quote unquote try to hit home runs, but he's got the power and he's got his swing is kind of it's there for that and um he's one of the most talented not just a player but person that we've ever had you know in this program and you know if he comes up in a situation and he gets a chance to drive one out then absolutely you 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 mentioned the freshman earlier hunter rose just keeps impressing i know you said the last time we talked to you that he's just the coolest kid nothing seems to rattle this guy every time i've seen him now it's something else. It's part of the game. It's you're unpeeling on, on layers of this guy. How do we get a ninth grader, this guy and, and Spencer Browning, to be honest with you, that are this good? Yeah, those those two kids. And it's they are extremely talented. Um, they the best thing about them is they're not they're never satisfied. They want to keep improving, keep improving. And Hunter Rose, like we talked about, he is just he's he's just so even keel. You know, you can never tell. You know, if he struck out three times, if he he's he's three for three at the plate, and then when he pitches, he's the same way. He's just even kill, and just the game is it, it's slow for him right now, which is kind of odd for a freshman. And then you talk about you know you talk about Spencer at at third base. He's he's not a freshman. He's he's he makes you know phenomenal plays over there for us. He's he's very comfortable. He's someone that can play third, can play short, can play the outfield, he can pitch for us. And him at the plate, he's he's progressed so much in the last five, six weeks at the plate that he's a he's a huge threat for us. Uh he's a huge threat for us offensively as well. Has Hunter got the ability to be as good as Caleb Bolden was? Does Hunter have that ability? Yeah. Um, you know, Caleb was extraordinary. His the end of his junior year and his senior year was extraordinary, um, but their personalities are totally different. 
totally, totally different of how they are. But, yeah, Hunter is, um, you know, you hate to say the word, you know, he, it's it's there for him, uh, the potential is, but he is um, he stood out this year, you know, as a freshman when people, you know, when we play, they're very shocked that he is a freshman, as long as, our, you know, all of our other freshmen. Um, they're very shocked of how advanced they are uh, at such a young age at this level. When when Spencer was in eighth grade, there was a lot of attention already. He was getting talks from colleges, and Tony and I were talking about this the other day, and even earlier today. Why? Why were these kids? How are these kids getting exposed even before they get to high school? What has been the background or the pedigree that these guys have gotten so much attention from colleges before they ever made their way to you? Were they are they sticks kids? Are they in other programs? What's going on with these guys? Yeah, they're part of the sticks program, and the way summer ball has has turned to it is um you know that's where all the colleges most of the colleges see them because there's so many great players playing at all these tournaments uh throughout the country and you know spencer's one of those young men that um you look at him he's he's got the build he's got the body he's only going to get uh he's going to get stronger and bigger and you see what is inside of him and you you know when you know when you see him play the game he plays so hard but yeah these you know these young guys are getting exposed at an early age um and they deserve it they definitely deserve it because you know their talent is there and they're going to keep improving uh every day like you said you go back from our first game against Carthage, and a couple of them were wide-eyed which i completely understand but now it's you know they they belong there they know they belong there their confidence is very very high but they're continuing to improve every single every single time every single time they step out on the field. As a high school baseball coach, you played a bunch of different sports in high school. Are you worried about looking at ninth graders with as much exposure, as much talent, and as much that they're playing the same game that you worry about them burning out before they finish twelfth grade? No, no, we're not because um, you know you know you go back when you know all of us coaches were in high school and everything we played a lot of baseball in the summer you know occasionally some of us played fall baseball you know we did play other sports um but in the fall they do get a break you know they get a break for they're still keeping their skills up as as far as their cage work and throwing on the side and all that but you know when we come back from the fall at the high school we do take a break from it you know we uh we're heavy into the off season and weights and speed training and we get a break from it but it's just something um you know we're very very fortunate of where we are here that um it's it's a very huge sport in Texarkana especially at our school and our community and these kids are so excited to play uh you know for their school and their community and you know you see it every day that they take so much pride in it and and they want to improve every time well, you're doing a great job, Riley. Uh, your team looks phenomenal. I uh, can't wait to see them for a third time in another couple of weeks and then uh, hopefully a deep run in the playoffs because uh, what you got going on right now is amazing. Thank you so much for taking a little time with us. It's great talking to you again. hope you're enjoying spring break and not working too hard. I am. All right. No, it's it, it's a good time, Chuck, and I appreciate you having me on. Fishing? you get any fishing done? I don't, I don't fish too much. I don't fish too much. We kind of just uh, – you know, we've been practicing and playing a little bit. You know, we played last night our last uh, non-district game uh, last night, and you know, we practiced earlier today and kind of let the kids and the coaches just kind of uh, just kind of relax a little bit until we play tomorrow. So it's been a good week. All right. Well, you keep Joe and uh, Trey and in, uh, in line there, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Okay. 
Absolutely. I appreciate you, Chuck. Right, Thanks so much. Take it easy, Riley. There's Coach Riley Fincher, Pleasant Grove Hawks baseball coach. We'll take a break. We're coming right back. Last segment real quick here on Leaving the Yard. Zach and the Professor on the fan, We got about a minute before we're done with the Thursday version of Leaving the Yard. A reminder, A, no Kirk and company tomorrow morning. Razorback Billy, obviously not going to be in here without Tony. And Tony's not going to be back in here until he's out of quarantine on Monday. And so there will be no Kirk and company tomorrow morning. Also tomorrow night, uh, it is Friday which typically means we do not do a show on Friday. And to top it off, we got baseball all over the place tomorrow as well. Uh, I'm going to be over at uh, Liberty Allo for their game against Sulphur Springs. Keith's got the Texas High game tomorrow night, 7 o'clock start time there. Liberty Allo's 7 o'clock over at 1071. Uh, news talk and Arkansas highs in action again tomorrow night as well. So we've got baseball all over the dial tomorrow night. Hence, no show here on Leaving the Yard tomorrow afternoon. And that's going to wrap things up for today. So appreciate Riley Fincher taking a few minutes to talk to us and update us on the Hawks and also Tony Kirk in his infirmed condition to be able to join us and uh, at least spend a little bit of time spinning what only Tony Kirk can spin or shoveling it either way. We're done for today. You guys take it easy. You've been listening to Leaving the Yard. I'm Chuck Zach here on The Fan 1079. We'll see you on Monday for the next version of Leaving the Yard, 5 o'clock Monday afternoon right here on 107.9.